Hey, y'all. You're listening to Diagnosing Sitcoms and Movies, the DSM podcast. We help make mental health more comfortable by using Black movies and shows we know and love and culture to remove stigma. So join our convo with your host, Courtney Copeland, licensed mental health counselor. And Dr. B, licensed professional counselor. This show is not a substitute for professional care, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have or suspect that you may have a medical or psychological condition, you should consult your appropriate health care provider. Use the links included on our website to find a provider near you. If you would like to improve the sound quality or visuals of the content that you're creating, try Boxed Up. You can find them on their Instagram page at Try Boxed Up or at their website, tryboxedup.com. Love and happiness. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. You're fine. It was, it was beautiful. I heard, I heard you. I heard you hang on the note for a second. <laughs> yes, I mean that's like my favorite part. The opening is because it it is it's love and happiness. Like, and then a gunshot, and that's when she <laughs> just goes. <laughs> Shit just goes left. <laughs> I'm like, what a romantic movie. <gasps> just kidding. <laughs> hey, everyone. To provide a little bit of context <laughs> for what we're talking about, this episode, we are diagnosing the 1994 uh, romantic drama of Jason's Lyric. You know what's sad? This time it was actually funny to me. This movie has always been funny to me. So, okay. So when you suggested this movie, I was like, mm, okay. I don't, I, I like, <laughs> I know this movie. I've seen it multiple times, but it's just not one of my favorites. But no. it's always funny to me and it's not supposed to be. So watching it this time, I was like, I am sick for laughing at this movie as much as I have. <laughs> okay, so I don't feel as bad for laughing. I mean, the first times that I saw, I was like, oh, oh man, so sad. But mm-hmm. then like this time, I was like, this is dumb. <laughs> dumb what is going on here that's funny i don't know if it's like because it is a star-studded cast of like mm-hmm. great actors but in this movie it was just like they said nah <laughs> so the movie has alan payne <laughs> jada pinkett bokeem mm-hmm. woodby forrest whitaker lisa nicole carson tretch mm-hmm. not a great actor but okay and eddie griffin lamonte like just great heavy hitters but hmm it Wait, was the accents. Maybe it was the accents. Maybe. Oh no. None of these people are from Texas. And none of them sound like they are from Texas. And their Texas accents. Why? They were they were really sad. I mean, when he said, I had never seen a sunset before, I was like, oof. Oh, why he said like <laughs> You you really sound okay. I'm not going. That even is another thing that I remember. So I had family that lived mm-hmm. in Houston around the time that this movie came out, and we went to go mm-hmm. visit them. And she was like, "Did y'all see that? Like, why they had us? Sound- we don't sound like that. Like my brother, your brother, about to go rob a bank. <laughs> Ew, like why? So dumb. She felt so offended." So <laughs> Right, I know I would be offended too. Like, why are y'all talking like this? I hate when actors like put on extra for Southern, and when they do, it really sounds ignorant. That's the part. Like, it they make it sound like they're 
they're lacking in education. Now, I mean, in some states, that might be true. Not all. I guess I'm biased because I was like, I'm looking at Alapane and I'm like, why is G Money talking like this? No, there's no reason for them to be talking like this. I'm this no, you're New Jack City. Right. You're, you're G Money. Why? Why? That's where <laughs> that's honestly where I fell in love. Ew. With Alan Payne. <clears throat> yeah, I think I think I have a type. I'm Black gonna skin? admit it. Ew, pretty hair? <laughs> no. Oh, don't say that. Oh my God. Uh, maybe. Jesus. No, because you be have a thing person. for Eddie Murphy. I do have a thing for Eddie Murphy. He still could be I my think, I think I think the both of us have types. And I think those types are black men. Um, because even watching this, I was Perfect. like, yeah, Bokeem is fine. <laughs> okay, Bokeem gives me evil Dave Chappelle. You said that previously, and it's just because of the meme. I'm sure you never thought that before you saw that meme. I really thought it was Dave Chappelle all my life. And then I no, was like, oh, no. that's not Dave Chappelle. And there's another not, version mm-hmm. that looks like him. No, Bokeem is cute and Dave Chappelle is not. There's I would definitely go with Dave Chappelle before Bokeem. Bo- Ew, really? Okay, well yeah. then good. So then you can have Dave Chappelle and I'll take Bokeem. But then Boom. looking at him this time, again, as an older person, I'm like, look, it can't get right. Can't get right. That's it. <laughs> That's all I saw. I and I'm like, can't get right. <laughs> and literally, they got can't get right. They can't get right in this movie. Oh no, it's sad, but it's it's funny. And then the walk. Okay, where he get where he get that walk from, girl? I'm down with the thug life <laughs> and the face. Get fix your face. Just him and Young Kim. The faces that the character of Josh just had to portray the entire film. I'm I can't, too. and I feel I like can't. the best acting was done by Young Josh and Young uh, Jason. Yeah, kids. Dip kids deserve something for that. They they did, baby, because he was so and when he was real upset, oh that face <laughs> pants were shaking in that bed. <laughs> <laughs> what they told him to do in order for him not scared. <laughs> I just <laughs> yeah, just like that. Keep doing that, okay? And now, now do that mean face you do. Yeah, now, oh yeah. <laughs> we ignorant, okay, friends. Friends, don't judge us because we having too much fun. Making <laughs> fun of this movie right now, okay? And then the other person that got on my nerve was Rat. Tim. Oh, he was so funny. They got audition for cats. No. Okay. No, he was funny. He was definitely funny. But he got on my nerves. He's like, why you look like that? Why are you wearing that? Why are you using a cane at this fair? Get rid of it. Where's the with his outfit? Do anything freaky to me you want to. Just don't touch my head. <laughs> don't touch my head. They want them titties to go. A side of ass and a cup of them lips. I don't believe that's on the menu. It look like they need to be on a tray. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay, let's talk about the sexual harassment here, okay? And that is what I um, diagnosed (laughs) Marty. (laughs) I gave her a Zico of sexual harassment on the job. (laughs) Okay. Oh, my gosh, because a rat's ass. (laughs) 
Rats ass over there harassing people. Now, would that be acceptable in today's culture? It's crazy how yes. much has what do you changed. mean? I mean, like, people don't do that. I mean, in the hood, niggas are still talking they shit. And you still got to clap Absolutely. back at niggas. Like, is Absolutely. <laughs> so, like, is it going to happen on uh, in corporate America? Possibly. Because <laughs> <laughs> old white men still ain't shit. And you got to put them in their motherfucking place, too. So, you know, just men is still trash. It's just uh, more men have awakened that those type things are acceptable. So less of them are doing it. But the ones mm-hmm. who is nasty is still doing it. So you basically saying ain't shit changed. I'm saying ain't shit changed. It's just uh, some more laws to protect you now. Big facts. It's not going to stop it from happening, but there could be a punishment afterwards. Mm, got That's it. what's changed. Got it. Yeah. Because <laughs> men are disgusting. <laughs> and women are too, low key. But whatevs. <laughs> what Neither here nor there. <laughs> Um, I think all of I have very few quotes because I don't think this movie this movie just doesn't strike Mm. me as like someone oh that's from Jason Lyric but one thing that I was reminded of that I laugh so hard at that is not funny at all is when he is pointing the gun at Jada Pinkett (laughs) I ain't got nothing I ain't got nothing I know it's funny to me like, bro, you have a whole gun. What do you mean you ain't got nothing? It's like saying, like, you gonna leave? Like, I, I, I ain't got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Well, he's like, he really bit that. Like, that man ain't got shit to his day. And he bit, I, I ain't got nothing. But it's so funny to me the way that he says it. And he's like, it's an intense point of the movie. And I just bust out laughing every single time. You know what made me laugh? Was when he was um, at the bar and Jason comes in and he he grabs him and he goes outside and he hits his head on the side of the wall and throws up. Immediately throw up. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But there was worse is that he had the white, the the white stuff after and then later on it's on his pants. I was like, they really committed to this. They really did. I was like, yeah, hot ass mess for real. Oh my god! Like why he leave it there? <laughs> like get it off your lip. <laughs> he plays so much. <laughs> He's so raggedy. Oh, I love him. The first thing that we hear his character say, even as a child, is, why he can't leave us the fuck alone? <laughs> like little boy ain't said nothing. Ain't speak to his daddy. Not- nothing. <laughs> first thing first we hear word. him say. Poor thing. Poor baby. Poor thing. That's what this whole movie is just trauma trauma and and how that impacts masculinity this is what the whole film is about that's that's what i was gonna say i was like you know what i'm just gonna diagnose the whole film with ptsd <laughs> the whole film that's it okay i'm glad we're on the same page <laughs> but now but and i think that with jason is especially mm-hmm. i'm i'm gonna come up i'm gonna use this new this new uh Term that they're using now, complex, yeah, PTSD, complex trauma, you know, complex trauma, because it is something like it's continuous for him. But I feel like his, I feel like it's more so for Josh. Oh yeah, Josh could definitely got Josh. Yeah, 
Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they they did both experience the trauma of um, domestic violence mm-hmm. and then the trauma of Mad Dog being killed. Mm-hmm. But then Josh, as a result of his inability to handle his trauma, uh, his experience with trauma, he then also repeatedly went into the prison system. And mm-hmm. we don't know what he saw there as well. He clearly was institutionalized there to mm-hmm. a certain extent with going back four times at the young age that he was. So we don't know when he first started going in. Mm-hmm. And it, so it seems like that it just was building upon itself to where Jason had the the childhood experience of the domestic violence and then killing the mad dog. And then his life kind of regulated after that Mm -hmm. he still had an inability to cope with the experience in a way but there wasn't the constant exposure to the level that josh had aside from just being in the hood and the different stuff that you see there and dealing in the stress and trauma of experiencing poverty and what that like lives like and how that impacts people as well right right I was trying to figure out like what other um traumatic disorder would josh fit under i mean PTSD for sure. Yes. <laughs> but what what other diagnosis did you have for him? And so I felt like definitely the the PTSD, we can see it. It's evident him having alcohol use disorder as a coping mechanism to mm-hmm. uh, not experience the negative effects as much trying to numb himself by uh, relying on alcohol and then that growing into a dependency. And then I also uh, felt like with the trauma disrupting his development the way that it did with him growing up, I diagnosed him with borderline personality disorder. I don't know if you agree or not, but uh, I could go through the criteria real quick that I felt that he met. And so for him, there was, uh, well, Borderline personality disorder, just in general, is a pattern of instability of interpersonal relationships, self-image, affects, marked impulsivity, beginning in early childhood and present present in a variety of contexts. And so for him, I felt like the frantic efforts to avoid real or imagined abandonment, I feel like him shooting Jada Pinkett, even when he is talking to her, he's like, "You, you trying to take my brother away from me. And that was the biggest thing and issue that he had with Jada was that he felt like she was taking his brother away from him. Even when he first get out of jail and Jason is telling him about the job that is available in Dallas. He like, so you leaving? Like it and that kind of just the thought of having that abandonment. I don't feel like he handled well. A pattern of unstable and intense interpersonal relationships characterized by alternating between extremes of idealization and devaluation can't read today sorry but we see that in him cooking a dinner preparing a dinner flipping the table mm. yelling at mama and saying i see why a man could beat you girl and he rose up on her like he was gonna hit her too i was like oh no sir oh not your big disrespecting mama's this okay <laughs> i get you put out <laughs> real quick impulsivity in uh, areas that are potentially self-damaging. We see that with his substance use and his reckless abandon of committing dangerous crimes, mm-hmm. including also the re- recurrent suicidal behaviors, gestures, or threats with him completing suicide at the end, but then also looking like he was kind of about to play Russian roulette with himself inside the bar. Wasn't really mm-hmm. sure about that as well as the effective instability due to uh, reactivity of mood. So 
intense episodic dysphoria, irritability, or anxiety, and constant or rather chronic feelings of emptiness and inappropriate, intense anger or difficulty controlling anger. Mm. Yep. Sounds about right. And then that's something that we also know, unfortunately, that borderline, many people who have borderline personality disorder have had experiences with complex trauma. It's just that Mm -hmm. inability to cope with the continued exposure to traumatic events and how that resonates and impedes the development of those individuals. And so I really feel like Josh was just uh, so much happening so young and then continuing Mm -hmm. to experience things is, is how he maladaptively coped with that. Yeah, I agree. And so with, with Jason, then I'm still leaning on post-traumatic stress disorder. Same. Okay. Yeah, very much so. I mean, seeing your girlfriend get shot by your brother. Mm. Um, that's, that's. I would like to add the Z code of a sibling relational problem there. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. Because I forgot about that one. Now, I didn't know if you would have like specify whether as far as dissociative symptoms, um, depersonalization or derealization. See, I thought I thought no. No, for him, he for didn't him, have any of that. Mm-mm. And I feel like he even had to have Lyric introduce him to his imagination. Like he was very much she so did. stuck in the here and now. And yeah. he had, she had to like kind of prime him up to even be comfortable. Cause at first he was like, what's going on here? You see me? With his right. country accent. <laughs> you uh, see me? <laughs> but then he was like, oh, okay. Uh, I got on a tuxedo. I'm Prince Charming. Like it took him a second to really mm-hmm. be able to even use imagery in a way. And I think that that is part of what part of what he loved about Lyric was that she did introduce him to the to the idea that there can be a separate reality from outside of what he's experiencing right now in this moment. Yeah, yeah, and I enjoyed that. I, I, okay. Now there was this one part that I I did like about the movie and enjoy was that relationship building part where they're doing all these little things together and her showing him a different side, a softer side for him and based off of his reality, right? Like, so he's seeing a lot of this hardship, this this difficult side of life and, and experiencing life, and she helped him see the soft side, the the you know, the nicer things, the things that we can actually enjoy in life that doesn't make it so hard, you know, for for the fact that he wasn't able to realize like or stop and see a sunset says a lot about that, too, in my opinion. So, yeah, I don't know if he has to specify whether or specify if criteria met, but definitely post-traumatic. And then, you know, I hear a lot of people talk about you know, doing trauma-informed care and like, oh, are you a trauma-informed clinician and and that type of thing? So what are your thoughts about trauma-informed? I feel like I do it just naturally based off of what it's defined as as far as just basically acknowledging that a person has a whole system and life outside of what you're seeing in with that individual. So we're not just diagnosing the individual. We have to take into context what's going on in their environment and that leading that being trauma informed practice. But how, how do you see it and how does it show it for you? And is that something you would do with your client? I think that there is 
a trauma-informed approach where you take those different things into consideration and then you can assess and do all of those things. I think that being trauma-informed is just another even further step in that and paying attention mm -hmm. to potentially triggering things. And so like just even down to like the simplest, minutest things of your office setup, like what is your lighting like? Does it look mm -hmm. like you are inside of an institution where people are used to being victimized or does your office look like a more comfortable, inviting setting? Um, are there certain smells that could potentially trigger? Like uh, looking at it from, from all five senses, yeah. on top of like not just the what how is this impacting you but like also to not re-traumatize to not trigger to to take those extra steps and how you even approach different people and mm -hmm. some people aren't okay with you like walking up on them in certain ways and what mm -hmm. that looks like and so just being mindful of all those things uh and how you approach people and approach entering into someone else's space period I think is a very important with trauma informed I think that if Jason was my client I would be really interested and this is not something that I do often but I would be really interested in doing narrative therapy with him because he's never told his story outside mm -hmm. of sharing it with I won't guess, keep saying Jada sharing it with Lyric mm -hmm. and so him being able to say his experience of what happened get that out be the author of his own story like take mm -hmm. some of the ownership away and, and distance himself as a as an observer of what happened as opposed to continuously being put back into the place where he's experiencing it over like he is mm -hmm. in the dreams which is um yeah oh, still right. distressing him and then in the nightmares and stuff and so i would be really interested in doing narrative therapy with him and then building him up to a place to potentially do maybe more um intense trauma work yeah absolutely i agree and i think for him he's definitely going to need that trauma-informed type of care especially given all of what he's experienced with with gun violence right and then when I think about trauma-informed care, I think even about like just down to the language, like, you know, how do you use certain terms or, you know, phrases and things to describe what that individual has gone through. And one thing that, that stuck out for me during one training was like, you know, when you're asking someone if they've been sexually assaulted, there is a different understanding of sexual assault versus rape for some people. And so sometimes you have to label it for what it is, right? and using the terminology that that individual has used or would likely use is important too and to not like add all this extra stuff onto it that will kind of overwhelm them with their understanding so yeah i'm i would be interested in seeing what his prognosis would look like i think he has a positive prognosis i think well from the movie it looks as though he is leaving um, and it seems like he's going to pursue um, another, the career that he wanted in Texas. Is it Texas? Where was he going he to Dallas for twenty thousand dollars a year? I was like, when oh. I heard that, oh. I said, "Ooh, <laughs> damn, Chase, how much is you making now, bro?" Ooh, ba okay, like, uh, he must have been making ten thousand a year, cause huh. baby, <laughs> that won't nothing. Mm -mm. <laughs> you know, like inflation and, you know, times change it. But still, 
That still ain't nothing. <laughs> but it is. It was something to him. It was aspirational for him. It was a step right. in the right direction. He also, yeah. I think, was supposed to still be kind of young. And so with this being the the next step, maybe Elmo's was like his first job and then he's moving yes. into like, and, and so he felt like it was a step up in his career yes. here where he was moving to. And so not to downplay his dream at, right. at all, because yeah. really that's what, what he wanted. He, he really just said, he, I'm going to get a job and I'm getting up out of here. And that that's was just it. the first step of his plan. So yes. we don't know what yeah. comes after that or if he, that made him happy. That's, that's true. That's something to consider. Cause like, like you said, this might have been the very first step for him to just eat, just to get out. He wanted mm-hmm. a job. And the only way he felt like he can get out is if he had gainful employment mm-hmm. outside of the community that he was in. Yep. I very much so felt that he, unfortunately, with being the oldest as well, took on that hero role that he had to save oh. that, that the entire family. And mm-hmm. he said, my mama need my help. And that's what I'm going to give her. And... <laughs> I just thought it was, I mean, kudos to Lyric for having boundaries, but she definitely, he, he just told you that he killed his father, ma'am. And she was like, yeah, but you got to walk away from your family. And if you don't walk away from them, we can't be together. Bye. Mm. (laughs) I know that. I mean, but for real though, I'm not dealing with this with you. Okay. I'm not doing this. (laughs) I mean, that, that, like you said, that's healthy boundaries to me. I mean, yeah. Sorry. It was just like, damn, he just told you that he killed his daddy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, yeah, I understand. It's not your fault. Mm, but yeah, you got to walk away from your family sometimes. And if you can't, we can't be together. All right, bye. <laughs> <laughs> and that was that, honey. Yeah, I mean that. I mean that's respectable. I'm I'm not mad at her for it though. Mm-hmm. But like coupled with that, uh, I thought that I don't know if it was a function of the film. I don't get the ben the point or benefit of us knowing absolutely nothing about Lyric's experience. We don't know anything about her really, honestly and truly. We don't know where her parents are and why it's just her and her brother living in that uh, house. Like, we don't know anything. We don't know how she got Mm -hmm. so fake deep or what drove her to be able to live and Mm -hmm. and have such an abundant imagination and aspire for more and different Mm -hmm. and what that looks like. Like, we, we know absolutely nothing about Lyric. No, we don't. And so when she dies, it's like, oh. She doesn't. Oh, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) You just said that he leaves with her. (laughs) You forgot. (laughs) Just kidding. Why did I kill her? I don't know. (laughs) What movie am I watching? Okay. Anyway. Anywho. Okay. So for me with Lyric, I think that, like you said, maybe in the 90s, it was it, it didn't matter what the female posi- like role was. Like they didn't have a backstory. It was mostly focused on the male experience. And it's just like, oh, we have to have a woman in here. Woo. And then they just kind of fluff it in. And then that's how she appears. I think that's what happened with Lyric. They needed they needed a female like counter and that's what she was for. that's my concern with 
her not having a backstory, us not knowing nothing about her, no character development. To me, then it doesn't feel like it is Jason and Lyric moving on to start a new life. It just seemed like Jason could have found any girl, like whoever his first girlfriend would have been. Like we can replace her with any person because Jason just needed the that feminine role being being mm-hmm. like someone just to love him and show him that there is a softer side of things like and so it could have been anybody like it yeah. removes the the specialness of their relationship by us not knowing absolutely nothing about her what makes her special to him like we don't even when his mom asked like what she like he it's just Sometimes she dissed me. Sometimes she showed me stuff I never seen before. But it's nothing about her specific. It's mm-hmm. just that she's showing him something new. So it could have been anyone. Hmm. I, agree. <laughs> I agree. That's unfortunate, though. So, Which is concerning for Jason, for me, be, with him going forward, because he is so vulnerable with his trauma experiences and him allowing someone and opening up in that way. If Lyric finds somebody that is more open and willing to aspire for even more, is she going to leave Jason in Dallas? Mm-hmm. Like it, it concerns me. I'm worried about not Jason as an individual developer growing forward, but mm-hmm. them and their relationship and how this could potentially damage him if their relationship doesn't go well. Mm. If that makes sense. That does make sense. It's just like, so are you saying that if depending on what is going on with his life, he would find the solution with a woman or his partner? Mm-hmm. From a partner. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, yeah, that could be an issue if he doesn't deal with it soon. So that would be like a, a topic yeah because even if you look at the title of the movie it's called jason's lyric Mm -hmm. the ownership in the title like her name is lyric it's jason's lyric or could it have been a play one no 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 (laughs) (laughs) i mean it could have been but here and this given this example now (laughs) you know how like it's his it's his song that's why it opens up with love. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, you know, you try to be creative or whatever. That's very uh, optimistic of you. <laughs> very glass half full. I like it. <laughs> we'll go with that. <laughs> Can we talk about the sex scenes for a second? Uh, every time I think about it, I think on Don't Be a Menace when she was the nurse was <laughs> talking on the phone with I hope you don't think that Astro was cute. (laughs) (laughs) That Astro was everything, okay? (laughs) Uh, Alipay is so hairy. But us light-skinned people happen to just be just usually are usually real hairy. (laughs) Real hairy. It was so funny seeing them like like playing basketball. Right. It was just like the comparison. They had all this from his chest hair Sweater. all the way down to his ball fro. Listen. <laughs> Just like, and I'm like, no, G-Money, this is not how you play basketball. You play basketball in motherfucking Gucci loafers and a belt. Like, you don't okay. play basketball in cut-off sweats. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's what makes him country now. That's, that's how you become country, darling. 
<laughs> or poor, you know, whichever. Or, or po, okay. <laughs> and then, like, I just didn't understand. I, I guess I didn't understand the purpose of the sex scenes. Like, were they even needed? Like, I just don't think they were necessary. That's just my, that's just my two cents. And it's so funny, like, it had the 90s sex music, too. So you knew it was, a, even if you're not in the room and you heard that, no, no, like, By it's doing just, it. <laughs> they ain't doing it. Oh, yeah, go like this to watch it. <laughs> but as a, um, a, a DSM, I guess, ongoing highlight, man butt, this film has man butt. So if you're looking for man yes. butt, <laughs> this film man gives you a healthy butt. dose of man butt. Harry man butt, but man butt nonetheless. Man, okay, because that, I mean, when you think man butt, I know you probably think it's sculptured, clean, you know, but man butt be hairy, you know? That's what makes it man booty. I mean, there are some so women makes with it hairy booty butt. too. That's what makes it. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't got man butt if you ain't got no hair on it, buddy. <laughs> That's boy butt. We don't want no boy butt. <laughs> we don't want boy butt. Well, man butt. There's a difference. <laughs> Grow up. I can't. <laughs> Anywho. Um, yeah, I don't know. And apparently there is a sexier unreleased version where there's a whole extra minute of sex scenes that I, I guess came if you got the, 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 the VHS or the DVD. I don't know, but. <laughs> That's so dumb. And then there's like, there were some things about like Jada, like, why are you coming here soaking wet with a newspaper? Put your like, hair dry. Put your hair dry. But the newspaper wet. wet. Put your hair dry. The things, the things that just did not make sense. Like, I just don't understand. How did you know he was here? This like his shift. Right. He ain't here trying <laughs> to catch a rain. <laughs> so you're just walking around the town under a newspaper looking for him? Where's Jesus? And then when you find her, to who, who, that's searching. Oh, Baby oh, horny. Maybe. Oh, that man butt. Right. Give some man booty. <laughs> I'll put my hands through your your booty throat. <laughs> you braid this chest hair that you got going on. <laughs> it's so much. I just I like it when it pops out of like the shirt. Ew, 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 ew. You put that gold chain on top of it. <sighs> so you liked G Money more than Jason? I did. That's why that's why I liked it from the beginning. With them big old raspberry lips. I don't see it. It's the five o'clock. It's the constant five o'clock shadow that just makes me. <laughs> Not 12 up. <laughs> Drop like Joshua. <laughs> I like Josh. We can move on to Josh. I like Joaquin. Can't get right. <laughs> Can't get right. He can't be right. So if Josh was um, my client, because we did talk a little bit about the diagnosis, but I think that if he was my client, full EMDR. Oh, damn, really? Yeah, we need, I, I need to refer him to somebody that is specifically trained in EMDR. He needs that reprocess. And matter of fact, no, I'm not going to see him because damn, he did. He did. I was like, really? You going to pull him up from the dead? 
<laughs> but if he was by patient in uh in in, in jail when he was okay. in prison, then maybe we would have did some some EMDR. Yeah. Some yep. reprocessing some of that trauma. Let the let the body release some of the score. Yeah. Did, did you have another diagnosis for anybody else? Um, I also diagnosed Mad Dog with PTSD and yes. alcohol use disorder and mm-hmm. somatic symptom disorder from the loss of his leg. Mm, yeah. And so yeah. for those who don't know, somatic symptom disorder is where one or more somatic symptoms are distressing or result in a significant disruption of daily life where there are excessive thoughts, feelings, or behaviors related to the somatic symptoms or associated health concerns manifested by either disproportionate or persistent thoughts about the seriousness of the symptoms, high levels of anxiety about health or symptoms, excessive time and energy devoted to the symptoms or health concerns. And so even when he was um, coming drunk and was um, being aggressive with Gloria, the mom, he was like, it's because of my leg, ain't it? Say it, say it. It's because of my leg. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not mad enough for you. She's like, yeah. nothing to do with that damn leg, nigga. I don't want you. Okay. Like, I'm See, sorry. This right here, this right here, is this I don't want. It's this. Yeah, girl. <laughs> Just busting inside my house like this. I don't feel safe. Yeah. He was, he was, yeah. He was going through a lot. He sure was. The war, it was, it was eating our community up and spitting them back out and not giving them anything to come home to and I just hate how many of our hood classics are so rooted in social injustices and how people are just Mm -hmm. trying to cope and live like within the horrible things that are going on around us and the systematic uh, Mm -hmm. oppressions that we face each day but it is honest depictions of what people was going through right and how mm-hmm. vet- veteran care is like trash under the trash under the trash can in this country mm-hmm. and how yeah yeah the- it's really unfortunate like when you put it like that like a lot of the films that we have done like you said if there isn't a con- comedy element to it even when there is a comedy <laughs> element to it <laughs> I'm like mm-hmm. wait there's still so much of like the black experience, which has been, you know, the oppression, the 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 poverty, the police brutality, the gun violence, like all of that. Like and so to tell the black story and depict it in a way that is honest and true, you do have to depict those things. And it sucks when you're realizing, like, damn, like, yeah, we watch this, we live it. We don't, America we don't get up here break. fucking us up. We do get fucked up. I mean, honestly, I feel like everybody is experiencing complex trauma uh, trauma or PTSD right now. Just for the simple fact that when you watch television, you're you're like the trauma. Like it's a it's embedded so much. Like I was watching. What is it? That, what's that show on Amazon? The Boys. <laughs> I start because they was blowing people's heads. <laughs> this shit was fucking sick. And when they blew people's heads up, I would watch a whole nother show and I'm like, I'm waiting for someone's head to blow up. <laughs> like, I was just triggered. I was traumatized from that particular show to expect blood and guts all over the place all the time. But it happens so much. I have to vigilant. <laughs> My head about to blow up. 
Oh, okay. But they did get shot, though. <laughs> it didn't change. There was still physical harm. But anyway, but even our news, like, you know, so it's like, oh, I feel like the worst. Constant, it is. That is a constant trigger or like, you know, you're constantly seeing it. And then, so if you just watch the news alone and you talk about like, you know, the violence in our communities, that right there is just enough, you know? Yeah. I, I don't know if, if trauma-informed care is enough. <laughs> it, it, but it's it's showing up and it's it's recognizing that and it's sharing that experience with the client mm -hmm. and validating that like not only was it this particular event but then your constant walk through yeah. life is yeah. also like and giving them and reprogramming to to look from a lens of self-compassion and because we are so symptomology based in our field unfortunately oh, but God, getting the client yeah. to look more from a self-compassion realm of this is how you had to cope with the things that you were doing or here's how let's highlight the things that you were able to do despite all of these things going in and let's look how far you have come and let's look at the progress and let's look at the strengths and let's look at mm -hmm. all of the, the just using positive psychology in a whole different way and i think that this movie specifically um speaks to that trauma and masculinity piece because i feel like there that how trauma influences the perception and of masculinity how mm -hmm. some men unfortunately feel the need to overcompensate on what they view as masculinity mm -hmm. as a result of being victims of trauma themselves and having that mm -hmm. uh masculinity challenged in that way it just i think this movie did do a good job of showing just the the variance of that and then what it can look like when things disrupt that how men feel like they need to maybe do other things in order to hold on to being a man mm. so true so true and that's all that's a whole nother conversation because <laughs> like and it's the a black big conversation male, a yeah. big conversation like the black male experience and what it means to be man enough you know in your community it, there's so much with it and it doesn't allow them again for that softness the soft mm -hmm. side too and that it's almost like they they feel as if they're not able to experience it um which is that's a hard life to live you know like to feel so boxed into this one place that you can't be vulnerable you can't feel and enjoy certain things that anyone should be anyone should be able to enjoy fucking sunset <laughs> like <laughs> Seriously, though, like, I don't understand. It's beautiful. <laughs> Look at it. Look at it. And you better fucking enjoy it. <laughs> Tell me what you feel. I want to know what you feel. This is all this. five of your senses. <laughs> yeah. The colors. What are they doing for you? Is it warm? Is, is you like it? Can you feel it on your skin? <laughs> But in talking about masculinity, I feel like you cannot speak about masculinity without femininity. You can't speak about femininity without masculinity. Mm -hmm. And then so mm -hmm. also looking at Gloria and I diagnosed her with personal history of spouse or partner violence. And mm -hmm. even young Jason is like they used to love each other. Like, it wasn't always like this. And we can even see, like, when Gloria's thinking about um, the picnic that Mad Dog took her on and how yeah. much she still loved that man. And mm -hmm. she was put in a, in a situation because of the systemic pressures that challenged the, her, the man that she loved. Mm -hmm. 
he had to, you know, rely on substance and in a different way in order to be able to continue to function with all the things that he saw in the war. And so then coming home, it kind of just it not kind of it destroyed their relationship. And she had to protect herself and her kids in a different way by them being separate despite still loving that man. And so Mm -hmm. talking about not just that, the different things on how masculinity and what it means to be a man and all of those things, but then also looking at it from the shared viewpoint of what it means to be a Black woman and continue to love Black men in this way and grapple through that with them and sometimes Mm -hmm. having to create distance in order to best serve them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. America's Ooh. evil. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Get us out of here. <laughs> I want to go to Wakanda. Forever. <laughs> no, I, I I, think it's just now like, you know, you're realizing. All right. So there are some really messed up parts about this black experience in America. And then we, ha- we are so resilient mm-hmm. that we you know find laughter and joy in other spaces and even in our situations like the Mm -hmm. fact that we right (laughs) right right exactly the comic relief that was needed um (laughs) but also the fact that we can laugh and giggle about the movie like Mm -hmm. we did find it funny but it's just like it's our understanding of the movie like if someone else were to laugh at him, when I mean someone else, if it was someone who's not a part of the black community and they giggling, I'd be like, the fuck you laughing at? But <laughs> I can laugh at my brother. You can't. You cannot. Okay. Let's just, let's make that clear. Um, because I can laugh at my struggle, like laugh mm-hmm. at my pain. This is my pain. This is my struggle. So, yeah. And the fact that we can create art out of it. Right. The fact that the movie exists and and we have so many different artful expressions that yes. look not just at our experience, but how we're able to love in the midst of this. This yes. is still a romance at the end of the right. day. Like right. there's still a love story within the lines of this. We're still able to laugh. We're still able to live, go to work, take care of our kids, find love, all of that, all of those things, despite all of this. So I have. White man, you ain't one. We still out here thriving. Jason mm-hmm. got him a, a salary position job. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. how about that? <laughs> a little positive psychology. At <laughs> okay, because we ain't ending this on the bed. No, Mm-mm. not at all. But I do just want to take a second to talk about the fuckos in the film. Um... Alonzo diagnosed him with Z code of adult antisocial behavior, not personality disorder, just antisocial behavior. I think that the distinction between the two sometimes is not highlighted enough. And so I wanted to make sure that we talked about that. Just even if just briefly, that one is more specific in saying that the category is used when the focus of clinical attention is adult antisocial behavior that is not attributable to a mental disorder. Examples Mm -hmm. include the behavior of some professional thieves, racketeers, or dealers in illegal substances. And I think that the circumstance is what pushed um, these gentlemen into this role. And I'm questioning if I need to further assess Ron for player hating dickhead disorder. 
Mm. I don't know if he just, um, maybe it's a, a subcategory of just shysty. If I need to look into that and further research, research mm. needs to be developed to see if that is a, a, a specifier that we need to dig into a little bit more. We because it wasn't to. even, yeah, it wasn't even the hating mm. as much as it was just you so scheming. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. You just rubbing me the wrong way. And yeah. like Rat said, watch that nigga, man. It's something with him. And mm-hmm. so that's, yeah, that's what he, that's what he, that's what Rob was giving. But you know, he actually has the face for it. That's the that's the part. Like, ooh, you got that face, that smile that says, I can't trust your ass. Like, mm, you know, you get the spirit. It's like, ooh, the sermon. Shiesty digger Sh- spirit. Mm, yeah, I don't like that. Mm-mm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you on that one. Yes, friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But um, despite all of the uh, extra uh, touching, everybody was grabbing each other a whole lot in this movie and hands on and they were sunning Josh a lot in different ways, too. And again, we talk about masculinity and and talk about proxemics and physical touch and being in trauma informed. And it just felt like he he was constantly being violated in that way. And we know that as a child of uh, that had to unfortunately witness domestic violence, that Mm -hmm. that is not the best way to interact. And so just with being trauma informed, be mindful how you putting your hands on people. I wanted to also touch on how twenty dollars can basically get you anything in a movie because just like like on Boomerang when he gave $20 and he, <laughs> he said, take that money. Jesus okay. Said, $20 for your roses. She said, uh-uh. He just bought me. He said, $20. Give him, give him them damn roses. <laughs> uh, only to take one rose. I hope he gave them roses to his mama afterwards because, you know, she was having no, a day. He had them in his room on his windowsill looking out at the window. I said, ain't this a bitch? I thought he wanted this for these roses, girl. <laughs> okay. We'll take one rose and then I'm gonna just put them up here on my on my windowsill. Well, you know what? He gave himself the bouquet of roses. That, that yes, was he can me. enjoy them. Yeah. He can enjoy them. Because men can enjoy flowers too. They sure can. And they deserve them. Mm-hmm. Listeners, if if go get your man a flower today, brother, cousin, man on the streets, so just a man in your life that need a flower, go get him okay. a flower. He deserves it. He deserves it. And then also just wanted to highlight the best, the best thing that came from from this f- film was the soundtrack because we got Crazy Love from Bride Night. Mm, yes, we got Casey's version of If You Think You Lonely Now. Ooh, yes, Lord. Mm. And you will know by Black Men United, which was basically every Black R&B singer male of the 90s. <laughs> every single one. You think about it, they was in the choir. Even if they only said, you will know, they was there and they, they was in was the background there. because everyone was in that song. That's and it's right. beautiful. And I hope that they could do that, something like that again real, sometime real soon because that was beautiful. And when they performed it, it was like, brotherhood, I love it. Yes, Black men. And clearly, like we said earlier, we have types. So anytime there's a just a group of gathered of beautiful black men, ladies like it. Mm-hmm. So y'all should do that again. They should definitely do it again. Um, but just maybe not with this storyline. Yeah, no, it should not be for, you know, another film. It should just be, you know, Black Men United, part part two, part two. 
once more again. Yeah, yes. Remix. Yeah. Remix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Remix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just do I that agree. again. We don't. Yes. We don't need another version of this film because. Um, mm-hmm. I, watching it again, I don't know if I really like this film. <laughs> you know, I was like, Rosie, why'd you even make this a suggestion? Because it's something that was available, <laughs> and it was black, and it's in nineteen ninety four. It's like, yeah, I like the movie, but I don't think I really like the movie. No, I don't think like, and that's why I was like, why did I sit down and watch this again and again? Like before even watching it with for for recording, like I was like, that was a really, it was during the pandemic. And I was sometimes nostalgia. You just you just need it. You just need to go back to that warm, comfortable place and just go something familiar. Right. Even if it ain't the best and i was like i just wanted to see alan payne's furry booty and that's that's why i was there i think that's it that was it mm-hmm. yes her butt and jada's mullet that because we're not gonna act like that's not what that was it was a mullet but it was so cute on her <laughs> i can't even front God damn it, Jada. Why you wait, so- why was she pinning it back? Like, ain't this a bang? But she was in the mirror talking to right. Marty, like, and what do you wash my feet? Like, what are you doing in your bang? What? Okay, like, girl. <laughs> Where did these body pins come from? But why are you talking about him washing your Why was that such a big deal? I don't know. If why are you washing feet, I might like that. I might you like might that. like it? Ew. I definitely would like that. Not in even like a freaky way, but just like a love devotional thing. Like, Jesus washed people's feet. And it shows yeah. like humility and care. And I would I would think that and think that it's just beautiful. Like this man yeah. is washing my feet. Like that's true. That's true. We used to do that in church. Oh, oh and you started talking about church. I'm sorry. I started talking about the things I would do. Somebody. <laughs> oh Lord. Oh Lord. We're gonna you know, two separate pages. Oh Lord. <laughs> two separate pages. Let me stop. Um, but <laughs> aside from that, nah, not for Jesus. No, no. Please forgive me, Lord. Uh <laughs> Drop it low for Jesus. Um, anywho, yeah, it's oh, and I just wanted to say how much I appreciated Marty's character and how they, even if the girl is ghetto as hell, titties out, hair two feet high, she still can be well read and give you a motivational quote in okay. the moment. And yeah. you know, even if she is having sex behind buildings, she d- still deserves that kind <laughs> of wash your feet love too. <laughs> yeah, the call out her sex room. <laughs> it, it wasn't a room. The, oh. it lacked, the, the, okay, well, first of all, so what's the difference sex between her, what's between the, the difference between her and Jada having sex in the, in a fucking that swamps. was nasty too. Did you see when he rolled over? He had all that grass on his back. Ew. <laughs> Down in the valley where the girls get naked. That's where Jada was. She was right, right there. Break them. <laughs> <laughs> I would just be so concerned about mosquito bites in in un unreachable places. Exactly. So I was like, at first, I was like, "That's so beautiful." No, no, it is not. Like they uh, were lay a blanket down or something. Like they just got naked. Let me lay on your shirt. Something. Okay. Let me put my booty on the shirt. At least something. God damn it. Yeah. No. See, and that's Spiders. the thing about Hollywood. Ah. 
That's the thing about Hollywood. They make it seem so pretty. But in reality, this is what it really looks like. That would be so itchy. I would have hay fever afterwards. Oh, my God. Can you imagine if that's like in the spring allergies? Oh, I'd be so stuffy. (laughs) You know, all of that. All of that, girl. Mm-mm. Got to be more careful. Mm. I think they just enjoyed outdoor sex. That's just it. Maybe it's so hot in Texas. That's what you got to do. Um, but I, I want I. They like it. I love it. Who are we to kink shame? Okay, baby. That's it. Exactly. So with that said, if you would like to support the show to help us get more content out to you all, you can visit our website and follow the support the show link to become a Patreon member or donate on our cash app. Now, we're happy to get the kind of money that jingles, but we'd rather the kind that folds. As always, be sure to follow us on Instagram at the DSM podcast and you can subscribe to our show wherever you get podcasts. While you're there, go ahead and leave us a comment because we are counselors and actually care what you have to say. Also, merch available for purchase. Until next time, y'all. Peace. Okay, bye, you cinephiles.